Well, we're going to continue in this series on Recovery Kit. And, um, and, and the team's been doing great. I've been doing one every week uh, online, and then I just kind of fit in, uh, whether it's in Arlington or whether it's here in San Angelo. But uh, locally, we have that local expression with our teaching team, and, uh, and I love it. I love team ministry. I, I used to, I, I, was, I was sitting there just thinking about it, you know, the way, uh, you know, with, with uh, Casey and leading us in worship and, and the other worship team and their interaction with Grace, being able to uh, so gracefully <laughs> minister communion this morning and, uh, and lead us in communion and, and uh, Wayne being able to just lead us there in that, in that host time and being able to just, again, that other connect point in, in our relationship with God. And you get those different pieces, different perspectives. Used to, the preacher did it all. Some preachers I know, they, they still try to do it all. They even, they're either on an instrument or helping lead worship, and then they're stepping up, and they're doing everything. I remember whenever I first, my first senior pastorate, I moved to Central Texas, and uh, you talk about do it all. The preacher, he did everything. He set the thermostats. He mowed the grass. He cleaned the building. He, about two weeks of that, and I, and I, uh, I started a whole class called the Ministry of Helps. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, because Ephesians 4.11 says the pastor, along with the other ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teacher, should, should equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And all of us as the body of Christ have different parts to play in that. And so, and when I think about recovery... I was thinking about the, you know, this, this morning even the body because, as you know, some of you may not know, but, uh, you know, I broke that, that, that hip a while back. And uh, so it's been a process of recovery. And, uh, and, you know, the Bible says when one part of the body hurts, the rest hurts. And if you've ever really broken something, you know there's other connectivities. You know, other nerves, there's other muscles. There's, and, uh, and part of the challenge that I've had now is through that process, some of my body, you know, I was trying to compensate for the, for the, the broken hip, and in that, you can develop bad habits, right? And uh, so now I'm back trying to, trying to get my stride, and, uh, and it's always been a little funky, you know. I mean, it, you know, it's... It, uh, you know, if you do some of the crazy stuff I've done in the past, I actually feel very fortunate in uh, growing up the way I did. And uh, I, I, I'm surprised my mother's not more gray-headed. <laughs> She's blessed. <laughs> I, I've kind of put her through it. I just had a flashback of me flipping that motorcycle and you standing out there watching me that day. <laughs> so all kinds of all kinds of crazy accidents and, and events and things, but... But, you know, in the same way, even for us as the body of Christ, I believe that there is still a recovery that's taking place. And in some ways, there's some compensating that's taking place. And, um, and we've, we've got some that haven't made it back yet. And, uh, and I want to address it. I want to talk to you personally today as the Life Church San Angelo on what, what that could look like. And what are our roles? Today I want to talk about recovering your purpose. Recovering your purpose. 
Because again, and, and you know that this is central to my heart in ministry, is, is if you can find purpose, you can find significance. If you can find God's purpose for your life, then it just settles so much else in your life. Um, of what I would choose to do, what career, what, what pathway, what decisions I make. If you understand your God-given purpose, it already makes a lot of choices for you because you, you align to that. And, uh, and, and it's important. And some of you, I think that's, that's a big part of your struggle. Is, um, and, and people have lost their way. I was, I was visiting with someone this week. They've been out of church now for many months. And uh, um, they've committed next week that they're going to go to church with me. And, uh, and so I'm excited about that. And, uh, but, but again, I was hearing their heart and their journey, and they're trying to maintain a level of relationship with God. But, but they, they, they recognize the, what happens when you lose community, when you lose the body of Christ that creates support around you. And so in our small groups and online ministries, and, and uh, Joanne was, was sharing with me, you know, she was on an online Zoom Bible study, <laughs> this week with some of the ladies and she was just talking about how rich it was and the interaction and, and those kind of things. Even if some may have to do it via Zoom, they're, they're, we, we're a church that we're, we're doing some things differently. Some of the things that we have learned through this actually is going to help us go to the next level. Um, so let's, let's think about that. Here in 2 Kings chapter 6 is going to be my text. 2 Kings chapter 6, and I won't read it all for sake of time. Um, and, um, but, but just to set it up real quickly, it, it's Elisha with his school of the prophets. And so he's got a, basically a ministry center, a Bible school for modern terms. So here at this Bible school, he's got all these young ministers that have gathered in there. And they, they've outgrown it. They, they've outgrown it. It's too small. And they're like, man, we need to grow. We need to build on to where we're at to make it bigger. It's too small. And so, honest to goodness need, they go to the man of God, to Elisha, and he's, he's like, man, Lord's with you in this. Build. Do this. And, uh, and so, this is where we're, we're picking up. And it says here in verse 4, it says, so he went with them. And when they had, had came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. And if you've ever been to Israel, you understand why you had to go to the river to be able to find a tree. <laughs> kind of like out here in West Texas in a lot of ways. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, or threw it in, uh, in there, and he made the iron float. Miracle of God. Elisha was very well known for that. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. We're going to break this down real quick. What a great story, a great analogy of what I felt in being able to go back and recover your purpose. Here they had a great purpose. They started off, I mean, everything was good. I mean, this, this young, 
young minister, young prophet. He's in the Bible school. He even has to borrow an axe, but he's participating. He's connected in the purpose. And they go down to the River Jordan, and he's down there, and he's, he's just doing, being a part, right? And yet he lost something very significant that was going to help them fulfill that purpose. And in this process, we, we see the first thing that, that had to happen for him to recover that is where did you lose it? You need to return to where you lost it. When I was talking to this individual this past week, um, I, it, it, just, it just tied in to where I began to, began to find out, ask questions, where they've been, their ministry, what they've done, uh, their, their involvement in the church in the, in the past, and, and where they've kind of, kind of their passion, what they connected with when they were really serving God in those early days, what that looked like. And, how, and I could tell as I got the individual talking about it, they started reminiscing. Come on, how many of you have been in this long enough and you start reminiscing of something really good in the past? And it brings back all those warm, fuzzy feelings, right? You start coming alive and it starts like, ooh, yeah, I remember when. And, and, I, and I watched as he began to talk about his street ministry and, uh, and where, he, where he used to go out on the streets and help the homeless and, and minister to, to people in, in need. And, and, uh, and then they began to, he was a part of a church planning organization and, and began to do some of that. And, and here he is now, but he had not, he's not been in church in 18 months. And he's at a very different place in his life see when you disconnect from your purpose you may not realize you know it's it's kind of like not charging the battery on the phone after a while that battery is going to go down even if you don't use it if you just leave that phone laying there eventually that battery is going to run out of juice when we unplug from God's purpose in our lives, many times we, we, we disconnect and we don't realize the negative effect of what starts happening in our lives. I, I, I just, um, like I said, I'm always about revisiting and going back to this place of purpose and trying to keep my life centered in this place because um, out of this, when you, when you know that you're in the will of God, it's just a good place to be. And sometimes you don't always understand it. You know, through this time, we were reevaluating. Uh, it's, it's amazing how God does this time and time again. Every time we have ever ventured down this path, it is incredible the confirmations that He will send on why the Life Church is supposed to still do the television ministry. Now, and, and the elders will vouch for it. They, they had to drag me into it from the beginning. <laughs> I had nightmares of what it would look like me on television. And so they drug me, you know, uh, into it in the beginning. And the main thing was I didn't want to be known for another one of those begging, money-grabbing preachers. Can I just say that? Because I am one. <laughs> not, not one like that, but a TV preacher. And... Uh, and, and so I told him, I said, all right, I said, I'll do it under one condition, that I never have to go on the air and beg for money to stay on the air. Either this is part of the church's mission 
and what we're doing in the community as the Life Church, back then it was Tree of Life Church, or we don't do this. Because I'm not going to look for the shut-ins, folks in the nursing homes, in the retirement centers, to try and fund that. Either this is part of the mission and part of who we are in our missions, in our outreach, or we don't do it. And we all agreed that's what we'd do. And so here we are, 20-something years, doing TV ministry, and we have never done that. We've never had to do it. A few occasions we've invited them to participate in missions or a building project or back when we upgraded cameras and said, you know, if you want to give, fine. And we've had some people that have done that. I remember one lady, it, it was interesting, we started getting a dollar bill a month in, in an envelope. She was in her 80s. <laughs> and all of a sudden it went up. And they, and they, and they started tracking it. And it went up. She just got more and more blessed. She had other resources and income and stuff started happening. And it's like, it didn't make sense, but praise God. Well, recently we were trying to reevaluate. And we just, all of a sudden I had multiple testimonies of, come, of people, elderly people coming up and letting me know they don't get out, they don't, they don't go to church, but they watch faithfully every Sunday morning. Or someone who has a mother in a nursing home. And they go in there and they turn it on that channel to watch the Life Church every Sunday. You know, you, and, and so again, it just settled it for me. Yes, it takes work. Yes, it takes money. Yes, it takes time for, for you know, uh, another staff member to do something. But if it's God, we better do what God has put on our plate. Now, is there others that I feel that... that could do it better? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tons of times when I have had that conversation with God. And yet somehow in God's choosing, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm, I choose you. See, some of you may have that same argument go on. You, you feel like, okay, God, why me? I mean, there's lots of other people. They could do this better than I could. They, could, they got all the talents. They got, I, I mean, come on. I was told that Jenna was going to be up here. Now, Wayne did a great job, but, you know, when, how many of you know, when, when Jenna's stepping up, they asked me if I wanted to stool. I said, heck no, I don't want to stool. I said, i got to follow Jenna. Man, I'll have to preach. <laughs> that girl brings it, <laughs> you know. It's like, I don't know of a time that she didn't whack it out of the park, you know. <laughs> and so... But what does God have for us? And sometimes you've got to go back to that place. You've got to go back to that place. So I've been revisiting that. I'm thinking, okay, God, what else does that look like? Well, when, now we're doing the online every week. You can still get the local campus, but every week I'm going to be able to... I'm, I've got our own YouTube channel, the Life Church Online. You can subscribe to it. Some of you ought to pull your phone out, go to YouTube, and subscribe to that right now. The Life Church Online, and you ought to tell your friends. You can share it. If you hadn't done YouTube, come on, you got to work on this YouTube thing. My son-in-law, Ray, Ray Lopez, he's, he's, a, he's a junior high science teacher, and the kids, he, at the beginning of the school year, he decided to do an icebreaker. He said, he said his icebreaker was, what's your favorite TV show? They don't watch TV. When they said, well, Mr. Lopez, we don't watch TV, he was like, because he's not that old. 
And he's like 30, 31. <laughs> and, and the kids now, he's like, what do you mean you don't watch TV? He's like, yeah, we, we, we YouTube. Everything's YouTube. Like, holy smokes. The church better wake up. So many times the church is behind and continues to get further behind with technology and when culture shifts and things happen, right? And so we're driving this thing. We're going to see where it goes. But, you know, in recovering your own personal purpose, if, if something's waned, if something's gone on, because I know that there's a lot of people that have come out of shutdown. You're back to work, back to school. Life is busy. And all of a sudden, you're finding yourself out of rhythm again. And you may not realize that the busyness of life can all of a sudden begin to crowd out your devotion time, your time spent with the Lord in worship and prayer, fellowship with others. And maybe you did fine during shutdown. You had plenty of time. Maybe it's coming out in the busyness of life that all of a sudden has crowded out. And you're going, man... You know, Revelations 2, for a second time, I'm not going to go there, but you can look it up. The church at Ephesus, Jesus speaks to and says, I know your works. I know all these great things that, that, that you're doing. You even, you even hate evil. I mean, applaud you, applaud you, applaud you, but I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. Even working for God, you can get so busy that you leave your first love. We have to make sure that... And, but when he went to the man of God, the first thing he said, where'd you lose it? And here's the interesting thing of that passage in, in Revelations 2. He says, you, now he already said, you've got good works, you, you know, all these different things, right? But he says, repent, therefore, and go do the first works over again. What, would, what did that look like in the beginning? What did that look like? Man, when I think back of those early days of, of salvation and what took place in my heart, it, I, man, the hunger for God's Word and to spend time with Him and to share my faith with others, to let Jesus, to, to know Him and make Him known. He says, go do that again. And you'll find something rekindled in your heart. But the next thing he said, not only to return where you lost it, but rely on spiritual things. I, when I was reading this passage, I was just meditating on it. The first thing he did was not dive in to the River Jordan and try to recover that. Now, for me, I'm sure that's what Walt Landers would have done. I'd have been diving down, digging around in the mud, <laughs> having a whole lot of energy and effort on probably something that wasn't going to work out because if you've ever seen the River Jordan, you think we got muddy rivers in Texas? That river, and everybody wants to go there and get baptized. <laughs> it is muddy. When, when Nahum, you know, uh, uh, Naaman, you know, with leprosy, I can see why he, he was upset 
that the prophet said, go dip seven times in the River Jordan. It is nasty. <laughs> it is a muddy, muddy, especially after a rain, because I'm, I'm, it's all washing in. And yet, this guy did not turn to natural means first. He turned to the man of God. He turned to spiritual things. Because look at this. Look how interesting this was that, that, that the prophet, again, this is a miracle. He cut a limb, threw it in, and that axe head swam. That's a miracle. But that individual had to be willing to turn to spiritual things. Now, it would have been... Hey, you know, real, real comfortable, real easy, maybe even out of just shame, because I've lost it. See, some people, they lose that thing in their life, that edge, and they allow shame to push them further from spiritual things. They allow the guilt that I have lost it, I've messed up, I've fallen. I need to recover. I have my purpose that has fallen into the abyss and somehow I've disconnected from it and I need to recover it. And then all of a sudden it's just easier to deal with on your, attempting on your own rather than to show up to find help. from God, from maybe the local church, to find that help in spiritual things. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And, and it lists out, when you look at, at the passage of Scripture overall and all the different things that we have need of, it's like God knows all that. God knows our needs, even before we ask. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Remember, that's God's way of doing things. You know what this, this said to me? Because there's something that happens that's, that's kind of hand-to-hand. You'll see this as, as it plays out. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's God's rule. It's his kingdom, right? He's the boss. (laughs) It's King Jesus. And his way of doing things, that's what that means. His righteousness is his way of doing things. That's an uprightness before God. And that from that place, everything else that we have need of, it'll be added to us. If we seek him first in his way of doing things. Think about this. Even with the systems, whenever I, I, I was uh, uh, thinking about, you know, my body, even this morning with some of the pain. <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm getting back, you know, my actual gait, my stride, and yet I had gone so long favoring it and, and, and developing some bad habits, and now, and so I, I, was, I was laying there doing some stretches and getting... getting uh, getting some stretches in and, and just working through some of that. I was doing a little of that back there, and Joey's like, oh, my word, you can do that? 
And uh, I irritate my family because I can still put my hands flat-footed on, or flat-palmed on the, on the ground with my feet together. Right? See, some of you are like, no. <laughs> I still do it. Used to do some other things I wouldn't dare try to do now. <laughs> but I was just, so I was going through some of that and thinking through that recovery, and it's about your systems. You know, it's part of, part of what, what we, we found, we were trying to adapt and with all the, the COVID stuff and trying to deal with all this different stuff that, that, that they're implementing and trying to get us to implement. And, and, um, and through a lot of that, we changed up, you know, some of the order of things. And I mean, it was a mess. And I still, we're, we're still almost just recovering in a place of systematic. What do systems look like? Your whole being is made up of systems. God is a God of order. And if you're out of routine, you're out of rhythm. Let me say that again. See, some people, they just want to kind of be like, they're like, well, I just want to be like God, just a spirit. No, in the beginning of time when God created us, as a spirit being, he put us in an earth suit for a reason. To function within this earth realm. Now, do you need to be a spiritual individual? Yeah, but you, you better realize that. There's still an order of things, a system. There, there's things that, that will help you if you are needing to recover back into a strong relationship with God. Set your alarm. Get up. If you're like, well, I just, I just got to be led of the Spirit. Yeah, you'll be led, all right. You'll be laying there looking at the back, back side of your eyelashes, your eyelids. But for, for us to find even spiritual things, he went to the man of God and inquired and sought spiritual help. And some of that is in the basic routines. Listen, some folks, have, they're out of church. They're out of habit. Now, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. But who do you know that used to be here or used to have a relationship with God or used to be in church and you know that they're not? Pick up the phone. Go knocking on their door. Talk to them. Invite them. You heard me, right? I've got someone going to church with me next week. I've had, I've had a, 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 a new couple that I've invited and been inviting for, for this campus as well. Listen, God may be tugging on their heart, may be speaking to them, but they need you to reach out and invite them. That is spiritual. And the last one, I love the way the prophet said there. He said, reach out and lay hold of it. Reach out and lay hold of it. God will do his part, but there's a part that he expects us to do. 
And I've watched some people, it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm just waiting on God. Oh, and you're, you've got some need going in your life. What does waiting on God really look like? I believe that the Lord's bringing some opportunities. I've heard more people, even, even coming through this time and, and coming out, I, I'm hearing some people talk about new business ideas and new opportunities and different things. Listen, if you get a word from God, that's great. There's still other natural things that you need to do on your part just because you know that's God. You know, we do a lot of the assessment test of strength finders or some of the disc profiles. We used to do one through the Ministry of Helps um, with, with uh, Buddy Bell and, and some of those. And, and it was always interesting, you know, it, it would list careers that you would actually do very well at. Listen, just because it said doctor on there doesn't mean that you can be doctor without the training. Please. <laughs> Maybe your personality is fit for that, but you need the training. God will do his part. He's put giftings, talents, things on the inside of you. Passions, desires. But you got to lay hold of it. You got to develop that. You got to see some of those opportunities in those moments. Sometimes we get too caught up talking about just potential. Potential will always just be potential unless we act on it. And the prophet of God said, "Okay, here's the axe head. It floated. You get it. You reach out." You lay hold of it. you got to do your part. You know, that, that principle flows all the way from Genesis, from the beginning of time when God created Adam and Eve and placed them there in the garden, and he told them, you keep it, you tend it. What is your responsibility? See, there's, there's something just in America that I think, think that we've, we've got to recover and we need to revisit. And it's this overall, that with freedom comes responsibility some people they don't want the responsibility they want to claim this freedom or somehow claim that somehow they're oppressed when the reality is there's nothing really oppressing them there's more freedoms in this nation than you can imagine compared to the rest of the world some of those folks just never been outside of the good old USA you go to some of these other nations like the last trip that, that we made you know, well, the last one coming out was, was India and didn't get to really do what we were supposed to do, but before that was Haiti. Whew. Go ahead. Go take a trip to Haiti. You come back, you'll kiss the ground of this, <laughs> this land. You'll thank God for the freedoms we have and the blessings that we have in this nation. And with freedom, there is responsibility. There is not only responsibility that we have to have, but there is expectation. So that's the beautiful thing about Christianity is Jesus said, I've come to set you free. Not just forgive you, but I, I want to make you free. 
But in that place of freedom, now there is an expectation because I have given you. You're not just a servant. You're not under bondage. You are a son or daughter of God, and I've given you this status. I've given you this position. I've made you my very own, and now because of that, you have a responsibility, and there's an expectation God has for our lives. And Some people get so distracted on pursuing even a lot of the worldly stuff that's going on. Listen, there's some crazy stuff going on out there. And they got great intentions. I'm not, I'm not going to judge their, their, their intentions or you know, what they would desire to accomplish, but you can't be a lawbreaker and steal and take from others and murder and do the crazy kind of stuff that's going on for any kind of cause. James even talks about that. That's not going to bring the righteousness of God. You can't do that. You can't live that way. Either we're going to truly be in Christ and represent Him in our day-to-day -day lives and have a biblical worldview of what that looks like. Or are you going to adopt something else from somewhere else but if it's not in alignment with God's Word and it's not back to what God's Word says, it's not going to take you down the, the, the godly path. It will continue to track off. And it may look like that it's a godly thing. It may have, like I said, you could have the right desire, but you could do it wrong. We need to come back. What does God say? See, God's desire is unity. God's desire is that we all come together. That you matter. That every human being matters. And all of us collectively together make up the body of Christ. And if you're going to talk about who we are, we've got to talk about our identity that is found in Christ and what that looks like as a believer and that translates worldwide under any government in any culture throughout the world is Jesus first in your life is Jesus ordering your steps you could be like Wayne Barn walk around that juice cup all morning long <laughs> and not have a bombshell go off If we've lost it somewhere, we got to recover it. How do we recover it? Again, go back. What did I do in the beginning that helped take me to that deep spiritual place with God? And maybe some of you haven't done that yet. And you got to get on life's journey in Christ, in the things of God. And if you're not sure about that today, you can enter into that relationship. We want to offer you that today. And God made it so simple. Man, He paid the price. He did His part. But now we've got our part to play. Well, what is that? 
The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. That's a powerful passage that Paul wrote to the Romans. And this morning, I believe it's still, still the case. It's still true that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, not with your head, but with your heart, that means you're going to put your full trust and weight on it. No plan B. You're going to give your life to Jesus. Let Him be the boss. You're going to surrender. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Some say, well, how's that freedom? Oh, there's beautiful freedom in that. When you sacrificially just offer your life back to Him to say, God, here I am. Not my will, but Your will. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing because now God wants to take your life and He'll do so much more with it than you could ever think possible trying to accomplish that on your own. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. If you're here this morning, you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you're here and you're, you're at that place of, wow, I need to recover it. I need to rededicate my life. I want to have just a special moment of prayer for you, for those of you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand if you're wanting to rededicate your life? Or Yes. Or if you're wanting to just step into that maybe brand new place of a, having a relationship with God. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, yes. Any others? Yes. Father, we thank you for these. And through their acknowledgement, even here this morning, we thank you for what you're at work doing in their lives, whether it's a first-time decision or a rededication. We just thank you that as they make this their prayer, Lord, that you minister life and blessing and salvation. I want to invite you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want to encourage you to just pray this out loud. Mean this from your heart. Do what the Bible says. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And just watch what God does in your life. Just pray after me. Make this your prayer. I'll lead you in it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price, my penalty, for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with resurrection life. Help me to live for you in your purpose all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.